This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, this is Robert Duncan McNeil, also known as Tom Paris from Star Trek Voyager. You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 15 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. Today is Part 4 in our series on Robert Hewitt Wolf, where we will be looking at his television show, The Dresden Files. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we're joined by Brandon of Commentary, Track Stars Off Topic. How's Same, it going, yes. Brandon? It's going well. Thank you, Mike, for having me again. Oh, thanks it's for an com- honor to be on the show. Thanks for coming back. So The Dresden Files mm-hmm. is based on a series of books by Jim Butcher. And the show is about a wizard slash private detective in Chicago who specializes in cases involving the supernatural. Now, in 2005, Robert Hewitt Wolf and Hans Beimler, also of Star Trek Deep Space Nine fame, uh, wrote a two-hour backdoor pilot based on the first novel, Stormfront, uh, which was directed by David Carson. Now, Hans Beimler, it's kind of interesting, I think, that, that him and Wolf have done a, a number of projects together because when Wolf, who was Bear's co-writer for for the bulk of of deep space nine left bear's new co-writer became Beimler. Mm-hmm. so i mean deep space nine has what for whatever reason i guess just because you've got like top tier talent involved and you've got a top tier showrunner um running it but for whatever reason it became sort of a breeding ground for showrunners people like ron moore and robert hewitt wolf and you know, Renee Echevarria, all those guys went but on. That's to, true of almost every job. I mean, Star Trek is sort of like actually known for producing yeah. people who are good at things. I mean, it's why it's produced a bunch of directors. Yeah, I mean, that could a, be. A bajillion writers, tons of producers, yeah. and a ridiculous number of actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 that's sort of one of the, the weird things that Star Trek has going for it that is really hard to sort of pin down as a property. Sure. But, but if it you does look seem at, to be a kind of very bountiful yeah. garden. And, and and certainly that's true of all the series, but like if you look at Next Gen, Voyager, all of those, Deep Space Nine seems to have produced the most at any rate. And um, I think it's interesting that Wolf and Beimler would become a team after the show for a number of projects because it's kind of like... I mean, who knows how the dynamics work or whatever, but it's like Bear is like, hey, I want to write with Wolf. And then Wolf leaves, and he's like, hey, I want to write with Beimler. And then, you know, show ends, and then Wolf and Beimler, like the two kids, get together and start making their own stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I find I find the equation sort of um, interesting, mainly because I can't quite picture how it works. And the first thing that pops into my head is uh, Tim Drake and Jason Todd hanging out together. Right. And I think, that just seems weird. Yeah. That's got to be an awkward situation. Yeah. It's like, but I'm yeah, sure right. it's, it's, it's like a couple of Robins. I'm sure it's totally normal. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is too. And obviously they worked together on Deep Space Nine for years, but yeah. it's just interesting. Just that little parallel there I think is kind of cool. Um, then, of course, the, sh- the, the show, the first episode, the movie, Stormfront, was directed by David Carson, who was a big-time Star Trek director. He directed the pilot for Deep Space Nine. He directed uh, Yesterday's Enterprise. And he also directed Star Trek Generations, yes, which is one of my favorites. That's too bad. Uh, so, so there's, there's a lot of, of sort of Deep Space Nine pedigree in this in this uh series when you think about it two ds9 writers and then the director of the pilot is the same guy who directed the pilot for deep space nine so that's kind of cool right there now stormfront the pilot was it was a two-hour movie and it was scheduled to air in the summer of 2006 but it sounds like kind of at the last minute it was given a 12 episode season order and because of that, they postponed airing the movie yeah. and then started up the show in January of 2007. Yeah. Now, it sounds like getting the the show from backdoor pilot to series was kind of a rocky road, just from little bits and pieces that I read here and there. But uh, Wolf stayed on the writing staff. Beimler... It would seem didn't, even though he did write another episode with Wolf. Um, but Wolf didn't run the show himself. The show was run by uh, a guy named David Simkins, who apparently was approached after uh, Blade was canceled, which was a show that he was working on. They approached him about doing Dresden Files, and he, he initially turned them down. And then after a while, called them back and said, hey, you know, you guys still need help. And they're like, yeah. So they brought him in. Simpkins, prior to this, had done things like Lois and Clark and Charmed and afterwards has done things like Warehouse 13 and, and Grimm. And, and he was the head writer, uh, even though he only wrote one episode, uh, whereas Wolf wrote three. All right. Anyway, so there's some background info. One day I'll understand the dynamics of of developers and showrunners and how someone can like essentially create I a show. I thought you were going somewhere with that. I have no on. idea what. No, I mean, well, I was just trying to, to to give give some background on it. It's just so weird how these things work. And since there aren't like, when when is there going to be a showrunner credit? When is it going to be not just executive producer or co executive producer? When is someone finally just going to be like show ran by? Or show run by. Well, I can tell you that. When we're no longer using money. Well, I mean, but still, you would think no. that that could just be another credit. No. It's Why not? Because, because because right now the, the credits as they are are manipulatable. They're, they're, they're malleable forces, and the reason they are is because it allows people to m- manipulate the system so that they can pay different people different amounts in order to I still can't believe I mean, you've got so themselves. many like bizarre rules for like screenplay credits and directing credits and everything like that. Yeah. How, how, how is the Writers Guild not at some point stepping up and saying, like, we want a showrunner credit? Because that would mean that there was one person who was credited as showrunner, and all the other people would not be. And right now, because of the executive producer credit, the internal structure of a, of, a, of, a, of a production can be determined by the people involved. And the they are not governed by the credits 
because everybody can just be an executive producer, which is what well, shows that have like a writing staff often have a bajillion executive sure, producers. Sure, but I mean, like even with that, you've got like like the lowliest of the low writers are credited as staff writers, and some shows do have head writers. Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand has yeah. a head writer. Like, um, I think Saturday Night Live has a head writer. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't every show just have a head writer? Because of money. Okay. Oh, whatever. It drives me crazy, especially when I'm trying to do things like. like well, this I understand that you like to things. organize things and like create like, a rigid taxonomy. Well, no, but, but I, that's I, really not a good way to live. I also like to know like who's responsible for what I'm watching. You know what I mean? So, anyway, Brandon, that's what, me. What are your thoughts on the Dresden Files? Right off the bat, it's kind of a show. I'm the concept, at least. It's a it's a the kind of show I'm into. I grew up uh, watching. Uh, Cast Daily Spell, um, which was a HBO oh, yeah. um, kind of somewhat similar. I think it's set in the past. It's like the fifties noir, but there's magic essentially. Um, there's some Lovecraft references in that. Yeah, it's very like the main character is like Philip Lovecraft. Yeah, but it's like not Lovecraftian. The story isn't at all. Yeah, it's just like let's talk just about Lovecraft nods. while doing this other thing. Just a lot of nods towards yeah. the Lovecraft uh, mythology. But yeah, like I, I kind of. Like the concept of like a noirish detective, but magic at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the show is kind of kind of up my alley. There are problems with it, but I overall it's it's a pretty decent uh, fantasy. What would you call it? Like a um, fantasy urban noir. fantasy, yeah, uh, type thing. Magical noir. I don't know if it's quite noir. Because he's not, I mean, he's not, I guess he's a detective. Well, he's not really a detective. He's a... Yeah, he's a private investigator. Yeah. Is he a detective? Yeah. I thought he helped with, uh, with no, the I think, police. I think even on the door it says, like, wizard detective or something. Yeah, he, okay. I, okay. I, I believe he has um, some sort of really bizarre license. Yeah. Okay. It seems like it's a bit uh, more defined in the novels. Like, in the novels, apparently, yeah. magic is much more prevalent. And um, there's, like, a special department, like, inside... The, the police department, like a special, you know, but but in here, you know, it's more grounded in the real world and magic is sort of kept on the down low, I guess. Well, what what, what about you, Max? What did you think? I, I, I'm, I'm not really like a huge fantasy fan. and I often find myself struggling to figure out why uh, I don't like so many things that are fantasy in the fantasy genre. Um, but... I was a really big fan of this, like uh, uh, Lord of Illusions. It was a, it was a Clive Barker movie, yeah. which was which is basically the same sort of concept, it was starring like, Scott Bakula. Yeah, well, that's yeah. All right, fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, Clive Barker has a series of novels that are that are sort of the same genre. It's like a private investigator who uses magic, and and I thought like, is this a genre? Does this is this a thing? Because when I saw the Dresden Files, I was like. Is this just a whole? Are there are there a lot of these? There are. I mean, like Constantine is, or the Hellblazer comic is this. Yeah, and like, but that was the thing. Like when I was watching the, the Dresden Files, I was like, this is like like every one of those things that I thought was like an outlier is actually just like standard and like part of a genre that like I somehow never realized existed. I mean, it's definitely a smaller genre. Yeah, but it's it is. There are rules and there are a lot of examples. But the cliches are so weird. Like the 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 cop friend, there seems well, to always be a cop friend. That, that's that's a, a holdover from noir standard in private general. detective material. Yeah, 
But in this equation, the cop friend is almost always a woman. Well, there has to be some kind of love dynamic. Yeah, and of course they can't tell the, the cop so much about what they do because of the crazy people. So, I mean, it's just it's just an incredibly weird thing. But I was fascinated by this show because it it it, it almost like you know opened the playbook of this genre in, a, in an interesting way because it, it it made it clear all of these different like cliches had like like very functional components. And if you like like took one of these cliches out, the entire thing sort of flies apart. And uh, I I watched the show trying to understand all of its moving parts. And I was I was I was really into it because like there there are there are episodes where it's like they don't do this on any other show, and like if you if you try to like piece together the plot line in some sort of like non supernatural fantasy urban fantasy way, you'd end up with like a very bizarre roadmap of like the the concept of story in general. So like studying this show was fascinating. I'm not sure what you mean. Like. Give me some things in this show are are nuts and and like there's there's there there are bits like uh there's a ghost living in a skull who was killed by a guy like i don't know like 1100 years ago or something some ridiculous amount of time ago uh and he sort of like pops in and out here and there because He's a ghost. Well, someone has to tell the the, the story, the exposition. Right, and and when when I tried to figure out why, like this ghost pal is like actually a weird kind of plot device in a lot of these urban fantasies. Like like you 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 take the ghost out of it, and then you say like, okay, it's a it's a guy who knows things, and then you go, okay, a guy who knows this much. Couldn't really be a guy. Could we make it like a library? And then like you end up with like a library that's like a non-supernatural version of that character. And then you go, well, um, yeah, he would need to walk around. And so you end up back at Ghost again. It's like like you can't you can't pull the cliche out of it without pulling out the whole thing. Well, for me personally, I I, I like this show a lot too. I um, I'm a big fan of of film noir and detective fiction and and whatnot. And I'm not a big fan of magic or mysticism or fantasy or any of those things. So I was a little skeptical, although I was definitely looking forward to it going into it because of the, the noirish uh, um, side of things. And I actually like the way that they used the, the magic quite a bit. I like how it was sort of um, subdued compared to, well, let's say things like Harry Potter or something like that, which is just like... The, you know the, where the problem with with those stories that I have is like they basically use it as um, a crutch to get out of whatever situation they need to get out of. And whereas they magically, pun intended, like forget the solution from the previous movie mm-hmm. um, for the current problem. Right yeah. here, it it didn't seem like the the stories, or at least the the uh, the plot, was um, reliant on the magic to get out of jams. You know, it did a good job of establishing rules and following them and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I, I like noir a lot. And one of the things that makes me like it so much is the fact that it is so malleable in a sense, and that you can sort of apply it to almost any other genre and create some, some new type of mashup, you know, whether it's comedy or sci-fi or whatever. Well, sure. I mean, it's a, 
you're a detective. You're you're there's, there's a problem and you're solving a problem. It's mm-hmm. a very you can play that obviously to almost any kind of setting or situation. Right. Yeah. And and I think that, that that they did a good job of, of it here. You know, they did a really good job of sort of following the rules of noir and not that they needed to, but they, they chose to and, and and it worked very well. Um and, and I also like the fact that uh you know, with a lot of these shows, like the X Files, for example, you've got um, kind of a, a monster of the week thing going on, and, and this this was was the case here too. But here it kind of worked because I liked the the idea that it was sort of like a weekly mystery. You know, it, it reminded me of of sort of like the shows that I would watch as a kid, like Sherlock Holmes and Poirot and Columbo and and, and everything. And you watched Poirot. I totally watched Poirot as a kid. That was one of my so my favorite shows, actually. And I liked the way that, that this show was structured in that sense. You could sit down and just watch one episode and it would be fine. And there were a few things which, which kind of traveled throughout the series, but, but not much. Um, I kind of wish there would have been more continuity, but I like the fact that, that each episode contained its own case. And and I thought that it was all. It also did a really good job of, of telling, mysteries, you know, and 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 sort of giving you know the audience a chance to solve the, the crime along with the the protagonist and and whatnot. And I never got that. Sense. You, you <laughs> yeah, didn't I get, get that. I thought that's crazy. Really? I mean, I, I think it's a bit too reliant on magic for you to like just follow. The clues. Of- well, I remember there was well, one episode I where I was like, I think I know what happened here. Somebody used magic. Well, no, okay, yeah, obviously there's that. But <laughs> I think they do a good job of setting up the rules beforehand in order to give you, you know, they don't do that thing which well, lots of mysteries do. How uh, Doyle did it all the time in, in Sherlock Holmes where he's like, I know how this this crime was committed it was committed because this dude was left-handed and it's like well thanks for telling the audience ahead of time that it was left-handed you know there's that 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 thing that 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 very uh necessary i like that component. you're using like the most benign version of that where it, there are legitimate points where oh yeah sherlock Holmes is like i do recall that one thing that i didn't mention out loud right. that his shirt was covered in blood yeah <laughs> exactly you know and, and he and, signed the letter that he put that he like nailed to the guy's head and and there's there's that thing that that all detective writers uh struggle with which is you know the concept of fair play and and everything and and this show i think did a pretty good job with that um it does far better a job than you would expect from a show where a guy is a wizard slash private detective exactly yeah you would not expect them to go through the effort of actually making the 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 event and the mystery make some sort of logical sense. Mm-hmm. And they often do, which I find they, fascinating. They made sense. But again, the, as, as if I were a, a person who wanted to solve the mystery, quote unquote, yeah. along with the story, there is no way that would be possible. Like everything laid out made sense. But again, there wasn't enough presented in the show to like, oh, this is this. So thus, this, that must lead to something else. Well, obviously, some episodes work better than others, but I think for the most part, they did a, a pretty decent job at it, you know? To be fair, I don't think I enjoyed the show. F- f- I, I think I liked the magic part more than the noir parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the, the noir parts worked f- for the show, but 
Um, I, I, I do kind of like how they created their... Because the problem with magic, obviously, is you can do anything in the, in the wrong story, which isn't very interesting. But okay. again, everything was grounded. And as, as badass as he's supposed to be, he isn't like turning people into rabbits or anything. It's very no, kind yeah. of... Um, Would that key. be a particularly badass thing to do? Because <laughs> well, honestly, they, like you say that, and I'm thinking, like that sounds adorable. And and also this 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 show, it didn't follow the books. Like the the pilot was based on the first book, but okay. after that, it did its own thing. It's sort know? of the way it always seems to go. Yeah. So the the pilot, let's talk about the pilot, because it's kind of a weird case. I mean, not super weird, but sort of weird. You know, they they, they made this thing. It's based on the first uh, book. It's two hours long. It was designed as a two-hour movie, and it was designed as the first episode of an eventual show. Mm-hmm. And then before it airs, the show gets retooled. Uh, you know, there was some casting which was involved, and a few concepts were, were changed, I guess, and... Um, you know, like the idea of of Bob, the the ghost, you know, making him what he is in the show. And later on, episode eight out of twelve is a recut version of the pilot, where they condensed it to an hour from two hours, and they changed a lot of things in order to make it fit into the show's continuity. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's bizarre when, when you, you look at it because when I was watching it, I, I had this in mind. And I don't know if you guys remember this episode, but it's very strange because it plays like a first episode of a show. But there's like certain things where you could see how they were introducing characters and it's like, well, these are characters which already know each other. So like the first scene in the episode is the guy, this sort of sidekick detective. Um, I forget his name. It's the guy who has the very, very blatant forced Chicago accent. Like he was like... You mean... I'm the- you I'm mean a, all of the characters on the show? No, 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 no. This guy has like <laughs> most of the characters just talk like regular people. No, not not Harry Dresden. This dude, Harry Dresden's voice is ridiculous. If he if Harry, if Harry Dresden is supposed to have a, a Chicago accent, then he's failing miserably. But this guy has like a Chicago accent, which seems you mean like the Bears, like SNL, yeah, right? Type, yeah, yeah, and and it's very strange because he he's going for it, but it's like. Okay, first off, there are people who talk like that. There are people who have more pronounced accents than that, but not that guy. The, like, the way that guy looks, the job that that guy has, he would not have this accent, you know? I, it's it's strange. But he went for it. I mean, good for him. And, and It's the kind of accent you'd expect from a guy who runs a pizza shop. Right. And, and, and while I was watching his In scenes, I was like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I know the pizza shop I'm thinking of. I was like, you know, this guy, I, I love the way this guy talks. It's amazing. It's just like, it's just, it's just fascinating to listen to, to see what, what he got. Anyway, regardless of If we're going to talk about voices, I need to bring up Harry Dresden's voice because okay, well, I not, hate it. Okay, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking it. about is, is this scene where this guy comes into Dresden's office and you could tell the way that the scene was being played that it was an obvious sort of case of like, 
this is the first time that a cop is going to, or this particular cop at least, is going to enter into Dresden's life and is going to sort of make him the offer to work with the cops and do his thing. Mm -hmm. But obviously that occurred seven episodes prior, even probably before that. So there's this weird sort of rewriting which has to be done in order to make it seem like this would be a normal occurrence for this guy to come in and and ask for Dresden's help when it really wouldn't make any sense in in the regular show and they do it, it, it they do it in a few scenes but one of the things that they do in this scene is that thing where it's like we need to rewrite the dialogue so we're going to go into standard over over two shot coverage um but every time we go to the over, it's going to be to the opposite person's over so that we're going to be looking at whoever's not talking yeah. and then cut back to the person who just finished talking while we hear the other person talking. And it's going to be really freaking awkward. In animation, it's a great way to save money. Yeah. <laughs> but the one thing that I will say to its credit is it did not feel shortened at least not by half you know there may have been a few things here or there where it's like well that could have used some more explanation or you're referencing something that we didn't see but for the most part they did a really good job of cutting this show down by half and and not making it feel like anything's missing and the other weird thing about it is there's no bob he's just not there yeah so whatever what can you do it's just the way it goes, I guess. Um, but it's kind of interesting to see, you know, sort of the DNA for this series and see what it was originally intended to be. And also, even cooler than that, once the thing got canceled, a year later, like in the middle of the night, Sci-Fi aired the uncut two-hour pilot as it was originally um, conceived complete with with different casting decisions and things it doesn't fit into the normal continuity and it's not amc and tbs were playing truth of dare and uh it got air the uncut pilot dresden finals yep yep it was like fine all right (laughs) but it didn't uh it didn't make it onto the dvd or anything like that so uh for all intents and purposes it's lost lost in the ether Mm. Which is unfortunate. Like a ghost on the show. Because I would have really liked to have seen it, especially uh, considering the fact that we're looking at this show from a wolf perspective and to see what wolf's original intentions were would have been interesting. So uh, also, just one other thing to note here, uh, there are a lot of uh, Star Trek people who worked on this series. We already talked about Beimler and Carson. Morgan Gendel, the writer of Inner Light, amongst other things, Mm. He's an executive producer on the show, and the reason is basically because he's the guy who bought the the rights for the the books from the author. And also, Nicholas Cage is in the mix. Somehow. Yeah, Nicholas Cage. Yeah, he I don't sold know how them. he got into the mix. His his production company produced it. Um, so weird. But yeah, Gendel sold the the rights that he bought to Sci Fi, and and I guess he helped a little bit in the development. But basically, he didn't do anything in terms of create. You know, creatively speaking, on the show, but he's still an executive producer. And then, of course, we have uh, James A. Contner and David Straton directing of Enterprise fame because they've apparently directed every uh, sci-fi fantasy show which has Straten? been made in the past fifteen years. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the Dresden Files? The uh, the actor who plays Harry Dresden, he's a British guy. Oh, is he? Okay. 
and his natural voice is fantastic. Uh huh. He has a very charismatic voice. He's very good at talking when he speaks. It's very. It's it's just it's just a fantastically cool voice. I mean, he could do voiceover work for like all kinds of cool characters, and his voice on the show is awful because his his American accent is just slightly off, and it makes him seem maybe like, maybe yeah like like there's something off about him like he's not quite thinking right or maybe he's high like it's just off i never and i no- can't stand it i never noticed that and it didn't bother me anyway, it really really bugged me from like the from the first episode i was like this guy's voice is not human it's yeah, his, not his right cadence, his cadence is off yeah I, I noticed that i just i didn't think much of it but it is very noticeable well, if you ever see him in something where he uses his natural voice you'll be like oh god he's not creepy he's he's just his american accent isn't quite perfect and i think the problem was he tried to do a chicago accent uh, and I, yeah, it's, it's just not a good place to go yeah. nobody can do that effectively okay <laughs> no you can you can, <laughs> I, you can I, make it funny I, I couldn't even do a Chicago accent if I wanted to. You're like wearing half the gear. I yeah. know. I'm, should, I'm wearing a Bears jersey right now in Chicago, and I could not it's do... the football season. Football season's over. I the could Super not Bowl do two weeks ago. a Chicago accent to save my life. Well, it's been fun talking about the Dresden Files today, but that's not all that we're talking about here on Trek FM. So here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> Paul Sutherland and the Animated Series. I don't like the Animated Series. It's not good. <laughs> However... See, that's the kind of stuff that makes me forget about it. <laughs> Would you rather me watch Deep Space Nine or the Animated Series? Okay, but now that you're we done... We made that with, choice. Now that you're done with Deep Space Nine, you can move on to the Animated Series. Earl Grey. TNG Reboot. I have a, a lot of problems with this this concept of let's just do the next next generation. I don't think it's possible. To me, a big part of... Star Trek is like this aspect of exploration and finding out the unknown and going out places we've never been. The Ready Room. The Liar. He's basically becoming a good Federation citizen, and that's causing a huge amount of conflict. And maybe even before he was here, that's what got him here, is that his inner ideals made him a bad Cardassian. The Orb. As we dance. Which to me, she really seems like, you know, that boy or girl now who's gotten out of college is living at home again and not really sure what they want to do with their life because nothing's turning out the way they thought it was going to. Which is funny because her character is actually more relevant now than it was then. To the journey! Voyager Season 3 Marathon. Being a child of the 90s and I hadn't watched this in a while, I realized, oh my gosh, how things had changed and how things hadn't changed. Rain Robinson's... Gigant, enormous cell phone with the huge antenna and her hippie van, the lava lamp. I mean, I just loved it all. Uh, it was very groovy. Warp 5. Enterprise Season 5. Well, they, they could find, I mean, more excitement in the decon chamber with this whole trip around to pull love triangle thing for sure. Yeah, the Dorian fight scene in the decon chamber. Think about oh, it. Wow. Commentary, Trek stars. Robert Hewitt, Wolf, Andromeda. I suppose the easiest way to describe them would be a bat, who lead living hosts for their young. They're kind of like, kind of like, uh, I'm going to say xenomorphs in Alien, even though Max would kill me for saying that. Yes, and I dare say he will when he listens. Literary Treks. Protectors with Kirsten Byer. Again, it's just you look at realistically, as realistically as you possibly can, 
you know, coming that close to death, being in the continuum, I mean, what's that going to do to someone? And I struggled for a long time figuring out how to have her, again, realistically work through all of those things. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the daily Trek talk. We have new shows for you every day, and you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. All right, so um, I haven't read any of the Dresden Files novels. Have you guys? Mm-mm. There's so far... 15 novels, a book of short stories, and the plan is to do like 20 novels and then end it with a three-book apocalypse trilogy. Okay, that's So like cool. 23 books, 24 if you count the short stories. It sounds like he has a plan. Is he a Cylon? I was just going to say, kind of like the Cylons. That's an interesting place to think, because I was visualizing uh, the Dresden Files fitting into Left Behind continuity. Yeah, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Re- regard- <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of that, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. There you go, there's the, there's the connection. Anyway, regardless of any of that. Um, maybe Nicholas Cage has a plan. Oh, Nicholas Cage definitely has a plan. Regardless of any of that, the books are on Audible, and if you sign up for Audible right now, because you are a listener of our show, you can get uh, a book for free. So here's a little description of uh, Stormfront, which is the first one, and which was the only one which was adapted into an episode of the show. Uh, it was written by Jim Butcher. The The book is narrated by James Marsters of Caprica fame, right? No. I think okay. it's more from Buffy's and... Whatever. Caprica. Was, was he ever on Caprica? Yeah, I don't know if yeah. he was in it. Sure. Yeah, he was the guy. He was the guy with the leather jacket, with the blonde hair. Well, no, he didn't have blonde hair. I'm pretty sure people hair. know him from Buffy. And Whatever. I don't remember him from Caprica. I don't either. Barnabas Greeley. Okay. Anyway. Right. Most people wouldn't know him from everything else. So, the, this book, Stormfront. Stormfront. It's, it's unabridged. Here's the description on, on Audible. A call from a distraught wife and another from Lieutenant Murphy of the Chicago PD Special Investigation Unit makes Harry believe things are looking up, but they are about to get worse, much worse. Someone is harnessing immense supernatural forces to commit a series of grisly murders. Someone has violated the first law of magic, thou shalt not kill. I I would like to request that you never do that voice again. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and Trek.fm. So, Brandon. Yes. People can find you Mm-mm. on Commentary, Trek Stars, <laughs> off topic, whether you me. want them to or not. Mm-mm. Thank you for joining us. And if you can't get enough of Brandon, 
go over to commentarytrackstars.com. Check out our other show. Go to his place. Go to his place. Corner him. It's in Chicago. Make him dinner. Harry Dresden might show up. You never know. Anyway, go to commentarytrackstars.com yes, where you can find Brandon you along with us doing find me, commentary trackstars off topic. You can also find all of us on Twitter at comtrackstars or email us at comtrackstars at gmail.com. Give us feedback. Tell us what you think. Well, that's it for the Dresden Files. We will be back next week to look at the, the final piece of work in our Robert Hewitt Wolf series, Riverworld. <laughs>